Welcome to the Tech of Business show. I'm your host, Jamie Slutsky. And on this show, we are exposing the technology that runs growing and thriving businesses today. From smart and innovative to nuts and bolts, there is no tech stone unturned. Now it's time to talk tech and let's get into today's episode. This is the Tech of Business Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Slutsky, and today I have with me Mark Wade. Mark has been using software and technology at every step of his business, starting with his brick-and-mortar clinic to creating the number one leading brand for posture correction education. It's called the American Posture Institute. Mark used virtual summits to grow his education company to a multi-million dollar business. From there, he realized how powerful virtual summits are. Yet, knowing firsthand how difficult they can be to run, Mark went on to build virtual summit software, which makes it easier than ever before to host a summit. From there, Mark was not satisfied to rest on his laurels. Mark is now helping side hustlers and scalers grow their online business by creating successful online platforms. Mark knows a lot about tech, and I cannot wait to get into this conversation. Mark Wade, thank you so much for coming and chatting with me on the Tech of Business podcast. Mark Wade is from Hustle and Scale. And let's share with the audience a little bit about what Hustle and Scale does. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Jamie. I'm really glad to be here. Uh, excited to share some value with your audience. Um, so Hustle and Scale, we, we help side hustlers scale their business, their online business, essentially. We do that specifically by creating an online business platform, and we use virtual summits in that as well. Very cool. So you are right in the tech of business. It is, you know, all away aligned with what you are doing for your clients. And, you know, I would love to kind of go back a little bit because I know that this is not where you started, but you came to this place because you were interested in leveraging the online space for your other business. So if you want to tell us a couple of words about what your other business was and where you kind of leaned into technology in order to enhance and grow that business. Absolutely. Yeah, this is definitely not where the journey started for sure. Um, by trade, I'm in the healthcare profession. I have a couple doctorates and I ran a posture correction clinic. So back when I was in a brick and mortar business, uh, from there I started an online, we actually grew that brick and mortar business to one of the largest, largest and most successful posture correction clinics in the country. From there, I ended up starting an online business to help other healthcare professionals uh, educate them with posture uh, and, and services like that, which is where we created the American Posture Institute, which ended up becoming the world's largest provider of postgraduate online posture education. Um, and I know we're going to, for healthcare professionals, and I know we're going to jump into some of the, the tech and software I've used in that company specifically, because wouldn't have been able to build that company without it. Uh, from there, I actually um, started a SaaS company uh, where I work with virtual summits. And then from there, progressed into the new company, Hustle and Scale, which is where we're helping side hustlers scale their business. Crazy, crazy journey, exciting journey. And, you know, to be talking to someone who's got a couple of doctorates and just kind of rolls them off your tongue, you've <laughs> that's a that's a pretty cool thing to be able to, to to bring to everyone. Everyone now knows that, you know, what Mark has to say means that he's done his research. And I think that that says a lot to 
kind of why you are at the forefront of what you do. And I'd love to kind of dig in to a few of the things that you wanted to do when you were back at the brick and mortar stage, what you did to bring technology in to create efficiencies and streamline processes and to attract new people to come and get fixed and get their posture adjusted and all the other pieces of that. How did you bring technology into that space? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I've always been a big fan, if you could say, of like software and kind of cutting edge technology. I've always kind of been interested in it and, and looking what else, what what's out there and how could I possibly integrate it into whatever I was doing at the time. I mean, some pretty straightforward things that I think most people in the healthcare industries uh, w- would understand or be aware of is, I mean, we had patient management software, which uh, wouldn't have been able to run the clinics without that. Essentially, uh, managed all the the patient appointments, follow-ups, it sent out notifications for appointment reminders, uh, managed the billing aspect of it. We also had an internal uh, messaging system. So that's pretty standard. I mean, most people know that. Something that was kind of cool, um, obviously, you know, considering we had the posture correction clinic that we used was a piece of software. It's actually an app called Posture Screen Mobile. I um, mean, at that time, it was pretty, like, I think it had only been around for maybe six or seven months when we first started using it. And now it's uh, you know, we're talking like 10 years later, this, this app is pretty robust and it does a lot of amazing things. But back then it literally just allowed you to do posture screens, like a posture analysis on an iPad. And that was pretty revolutionary back then, because that was even, if you, if you think of it, we were back using digital cameras back then. Like, I mean, now I don't even think I could find a digital camera. Like if I, if I needed to, everything's iPhones or, or gadgets. But back then it was kind of the first step in, in using an iPad to take a photo of somebody and then be able to analyze their posture. So at that time, it was really novel and really kind of revolutionary. The patients thought it was really cool. So those are two kind of like opposite examples, but pretty specific example of the way we use some software in our back back in the brick and mortar business days. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember some of those early apps that came out for the iPad. I remember there was one that someone was showing me where you could step on the iPad and it would take your foot measurement. So <laughs> I'm sure things have gone a long way since then. But that seems so, of course, nowadays, but it was definitely not the way things were. And, you know, even the patient management software, that was revolutionary. I mean, the number of people who were able to get rid of their file folders and their, you know, and someone who was solely responsible for making reminder phone calls, that is a huge, huge thing. And even still, I mean, I'll go into, you know, my dentist's office and they still have file folders. Who knows how many of those? And it's kind of interesting how some of these things come in and help and enhance, whereas other pieces of technology can completely replace. And I think that's kind of what I'm finding is that some technology improves and some technology goes so far that it can actually replace a person or a manual process. Were there any um, manual processes that you were able to remove entirely because of the technology? Well, you know, and something that was just on my mind while you were, uh, while you were explaining that is uh, like, 
it, it's hard to think back and remember where, you know, where we were at back then, but that was actually before it was even mandatory. Like now in healthcare, like there was a, a, a law that was passed where everything has to be essentially online so that patients are able to transfer files between healthcare professional and, and you know, other healthcare professionals. Back then, I remember this huge um, kind of resistance to this kind of mandate that said, hey, you, ha- you have to go digital. And I remember when I first came out of my doctorate program and went into practice, I was like, I don't want to be, I don't want paper. Like, cause I, I studied under, I did my residency under other clinicians that had literally what would be big rooms, like you were saying, just stacked with, with patient management, like with case studies, with the, their folders, um, the patient files. And so when we went, like I opened my clinic and we were completely paperless from the day I opened, which actually now it seems like, like you wouldn't kind of imagine it any other way. But back then we were kind of in the first clinics that actually did that. So like, did we, did we replace some like positions? Absolutely. There was just, just be having to sort, or maybe even if we didn't replace the position, we definitely minimized the man hours needed to file and sort for, for patient files. Also just the amount of space needed. I mean, you went from like a large 10 by by eight size room holding files down to now it's just on your computer. Right. Absolutely. And then, you know, I mean, nowadays your external hard drives, I mean, they're no bigger than a credit card sometimes. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty crazy. So from your brick and mortar, you uh, obviously you really wanted to get online and you wanted to see all these new technologies and these things. And, you know, when you were going from that into the Institute and doing the online technology and learning and education and things like that. What types of software were you looking for? or What kind of tools were you looking for to make that process possible? Right. Well, one of the probably more interesting things I can say is back then when I, when I first started the American Posture Institute, like I was actually, I was living in Italy. So I moved from the U.S. over to Italy and that's where I started my practice at. And I was over in Italy for about seven years. Um, when I started that, when I actually started the American Posture Institute, the reason, one, like one of the main reasons behind my thought process was that, with that is I wanted these courses, these, uh, the, the teaching, the education, the certifications for these healthcare professionals to be 100% online because I used to travel, you know, once a month or at least once or twice a quarter across the world to go get my continuing education or just to enhance my knowledge and skills to, to improve my clinic and my practice. And I mean, I was having to close down my clinic for days on end. I was spending thousands of dollars in travel fees, accommodations, as well as time away from family and friends, et cetera. So when I opened the American Posture Institute, I wanted it to be 100% online. Now, back then, it was kind of taboo to think that a healthcare professional could learn something online, like learn a technique or a protocol or anything like that online. And so there was actually a lot of pushback. So when we created our courses online, it was kind of one of the first ones out there in the healthcare industry that showed you can get a certification, you can even do, you know, continuing education all online. Again, now we look at it and it's kind of like, you know, duh, like even most colleges, most universities all have online uh, programs. But if you think back to remember when you used to see like Capella University on TV, you know, those ads for it, when they first were going out, like that was the most taboo thing. Everybody was like, oh, it's a fake doctorate or it's a fake um, MD or MBA or whatever program you were getting on it. Now it's like 
it's standard, it's normal, and almost all universities provide some form of online uh, education as well. So I'd say like building out an online course was the first and most important thing for me when I moved over, you know, when I started the online business, because that's what the entire business was around, was providing uh, knowledge and education and information to healthcare professionals and being able to do it online without having to travel. Nice. I mean, and that's really, you know, now in 2018, everything is online. You are absolutely right. And it's been a really fun process to watch more and more industries and more and more verticals come online and embrace it. And so it's really, really exciting. And of course, that now positions you with, you know, having created the American Posture Institute, being able to be somebody who can be looked at to help somebody else replicate that in another vertical. Have you, um, what have you done in order to kind of transition away from just doing the American Posture Institute, but embracing more technology in order to fulfill this continual, you know, business of wanting to help others and learn and all of those things. I know we touched on virtual summits just a little tiny bit, but can you share with the audience what you've done in the virtual summit space, I guess? Yeah. Well, and even before I jump full on into that question, just to kind of iterate your point um, a little bit before that is uh, like a kind of a pro tip for all your listeners out there is don't be afraid to embrace what's new and to try things that are new, you know, even if they don't work out, you know, you've tried it. But one of the biggest opportunities I've had for success in my career was I was always trying something new. So I was, I guess, as you would say, an early adopter that early adopter attitude or mindset gave me so many more opportunities that allowed me to reach success quicker. I mean, again, with the American Posture Institute, there was already other um, programs, other organizations, much, much bigger than us, um, providing like posture education. But within that first year, we became the number one online posture certification in the world. And it was because we were, we took this opportunity to try something and to push for something that was completely kind of new and outside of our comfort zone, but it, we, we use that opportunity to really scale big and scale quick. So when it comes to software, and, I, and we'll go more now into your question, but when it comes to software, there's always something new and there's always something different. So a lot of times people will get that mentality or that mindset of like of overwhelm or like, you know, I'm just not going to do anything because it's too difficult. Mm-hmm. And I get it. Like I still have that mindset and that mentality. I remember when MiniChat came out, you know, we were crushing it. By that point, we were crushing it in the online space. We were doing launches, you know, seven figure launches in the healthcare space. And uh, like, I remember mini chat came out and I was like, you know what? No, I just don't have time. I don't want to learn any, you know, I don't want to learn anything else right now. And within three months, I was like, what am I doing? Like this, this is, and this was right when it came out. Like, I mean, we're talking within a month of it coming out. Finally, I was like, no, I have to be on top of this. And now I've got it incorporated throughout all of my businesses. And I couldn't imagine running them without it. So I just want to say, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to stop you for a second. Cause I don't know if anybody, um, if anybody in our audience is like, okay, so what is he talking about many chat? So can you tell you a little bit more about what many chat is? I know, but I'm excited for it to hear it from a user's perspective. What is many chat? Yeah. Well, so 
I mean, if you're not aware, most like kind of like online marketing or most just kind of, you know, online business has always been done through essentially like email marketing. That was the, you know, and it still is one of the foundations probably always will be. Um, but things have progressed. Facebook allowed us to start doing more online kind of advertising, you know, communicating uh, through ads. And then we had groups. Well, I mean, everybody's aware of like Facebook messaging. You're able to communicate with people through messaging. Well, Minichat is a company, it's a software, which is also a company that allows you to essentially kind of do what you do with email marketing through Facebook Messenger. And with that, I would even say like, it's still still so new, even though it's been out for, I think, almost a year now, if not just over a year. Um, it's still so new. People still aren't using it to its maximum. Um, I was just in a mastermind not, not that long ago where we were really focusing on mini chat. And I actually just watched somebody for the first time do an entire launch 100% on Facebook. No email, no website, nothing like that. So, and they did it all through mini chat. So essentially, mini chat allows you to, to automate and communicate and, co and collect subscribers essentially through Facebook Messenger. Totally. Absolutely. That's a great definition. I think we're going to go ahead and pull that out so that people can know what Mark says <laughs> about that. But yeah, no, ManyChat is, is really cool. And I'm curious to see or to hear how you are using that to, to grow, you know, and what you're doing now with working with side hustlers or with virtual summits, whichever way you want to go with this. And um, I'm going to just say a couple words about what virtual summits are, because that is one of my favorite things to talk about as well, which is exactly how you and I initially connected. But virtual summits are online, uh, multi-day interview style, information intensive um, workshops. I mean, basically, they're like a conference that's done online where there can be uh, lots of different vantage points and a little bit of information um, disseminated. And it's a great platform for growing your list, for making money online, it, for creating objectivity and also and for you to be seen as an expert in your industry. It's a lot of different amazing cool things. And again, you and I connected over the topic of virtual summits and you've built some software or, you know, and part of what you're doing with Hustle and Scale is providing that type of software to others. So let's kind of get into what virtual summits are and how you're bringing them into when, um, into work for your own business as well as providing it for other people. Yeah, absolutely. I love virtual summits too. I think me and you both <laughs> have that very much in common. Um, and the reason I love it is when I did first make that kind of leap into the online business, again, I was a healthcare professional. I had no training or education or experience in online business or marketing or tech at all. Um, but I was following all the other influencers. I was listening to lots of podcasts, reading lots of books. And, and again, I was always eager to kind of be an early adopter. And I'd heard the concept of a virtual summit. And at that time, I, I was, you know, I was essentially an unknown in the, in the, in the healthcare space, in the online space. And so I decided to do a virtual summit. And 
at that point, I had just kind of reached out to nine of the people that I had been studying under over the course of years and asked them to kind of come together and do, do a virtual summit. And like you, the way I define the virtual summit is, is you, you find a problem that your, your audience has and you bring the top minds in the world that have the answer to that problem and you put them together to, with the people that, that have the problem. And that's essentially the benefit of a virtual summit. Mm-hmm. So, I did that in the online space. I did that. We did the virtual posture summit and that is actually what kickstarted my entire business from there. I mean, it was, it was a successful uh, summit by my standards at that time, especially being like the first thing I did, but the virtual posture summit allowed me to create our first certification, which was the certified posture expert program, which went on to be a million dollar program and Mm -hmm. it wouldn't have happened without virtual summits. So I've always run summits. I've been running summits for uh, since, you know, since the very beginning of the business and that's been about five or six years now, but they are a challenge and they are difficult to put on by yourself. Um, uh, Anybody, any of the listeners out there that's ever tried to put on a virtual summit, I'm sure they understand like you really need somebody that has the experience, the, the knowledge or the guidance to be able to kind of do that with you. Um, I was hard-headed, so I tried to do it on my own, and I spent an, an, a lot of time on that summit, but it was too beneficial to back off. So I continued to do more and more summits. I ran anywhere from two to three a year. After a couple of years of wishing that there was a simple, simple way to do this, I mean, we have webinars that you can run like with Webinar Jam or Easy Webinar, Webinar Ninja, whatever. You can have a webinar up and running in no time. Um, I kept dreaming and wishing that would happen with virtual summits. So eventually, after a couple of years of it of, of wanting it, I pulled the trigger and I went ahead and built out the virtual summit software, which makes it pretty easy to host and run a virtual summit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you've given me a walkthrough of that. So I would definitely um, have a link over to that in the show notes because I think it's a really cool piece of software and it's great platform for, I mean, the virtual summits are a great platform for anybody who wants to get their message out. And I, like you said, to solve a problem. And I love the direction that you are taking things with that. What is it that you were able to do in order to get people interested in your online summit and in your courses and stuff? I mean, you say you're not, you weren't a marketer and you dug in and figured this stuff out. Was there um, tech that you implemented? Was there, you know, was it just the matter of talking to the right people and picking up strategies and running with them? What else was it tech-wise that allowed you to have the success that you had with your summit back then and continue to have with summits now? Yeah, so back then, the success would have been... um, marketing like the I did most of my marketing through Facebook so Facebook ads um, that in which I would consider obviously a software or technology but that was one of the primary ways um, that I had success with that um, other software that I used or tech that I would have been using back then was you know we use Skype back then I'd, I'd use zoom now um, to record the videos there's ecam which is also a you know a recorder for Skype which is kind of cool because it gives you some tools that lets you kind of sort separate the audio from the video so if you're doing podcasts or things like that and you just do a video of somebody you can actually separate the audio from that and I would use that um, 
to separate the audio from the video and then put the, that audio into rev.com, which is another software that I highly, highly, highly recommend. Uh, it's a transcription software. It also can make captions for Facebook. So here's just another little pro tip, maybe a little bit off subject, but if you're like, everything's video right now. So if you're on Facebook or anywhere else, I mean, you need to be doing video Facebook live, or at least putting video out there. But, and what, what they've said right now is most people are checking Facebook when they're like waiting in line in the grocery store at the bank, or they're doing something where they're having to wait. So they're looking at their Facebook, they're on their phone, but they're in a place where they can't turn on the volume. So if your videos do not have the captions, you know, the Facebook captions, the SRT file at the bottom of them, most people are just going to continue to scroll right past them. So you need to be doing video, but when you are doing video, you need to make sure you have captions with it. So that's kind of off topic point. No, no, I love it. I love, I love, you know, these, these types of comments because that's something that, I mean, I know myself yet I don't always do it. And it's a good reminder that yes, you check your phone and you watch the, you see the beginning of this video and you just scroll past it because it doesn't work with your with where you're at you can't just throw on some headphones or you know you can't just turn on the volume that is actually a huge huge piece so i you know i kind of want to go back you said rev.com rev.com is a transcription service um is that required um how else can you create or do you know how else people create um the uh, yeah. captions. Yeah. So, I mean, actually Facebook has, um, if, if your video is under, I think it's five minutes, Facebook has the option. If you have like a, if you have a page or, um, I think it's like a business page or profile, uh, Facebook will give you the option to transcribe it or not transcribe, excuse me, to caption it for you. Uh, but you definitely want to go check. Like it's, it's gotten better. They came out with this probably two years ago. And when they first came out with it, it was horrible. So I didn't <laughs> look at it. I just go, went straight to Rev. I'd rather pay. I think it's like a, something like a dollar a minute. It's really inexpensive at Rev. But Facebook does also have the option. You just need to make sure you go back through it and check it. Also YouTube as well. I think if you, put, uh, if you do a YouTube video, if I remember correctly, they will um, caption some of them depending on your accounts and you can actually take those files that caption file SRT file off of that video and then you could use it for example over at Facebook but yeah you got you know if it's a five minute video we're talking five bucks at rev.com and they're super quick that's the reason I love them is I mean if it's a short video you'll have it back in under an hour so like if I'm starting a project and I've got a video I'll throw it in rev and keep working on the project and by the time I get to the point where I need it it's done so Cool. It's also yeah. cool for summits too, though. <laughs> yeah. Museum, you know, you put it in there and that gives you your transcriptions that you can give away in your summits. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you are one of those people who has fully embraced technology to make business better. And I know that there's a lot of people in the audience who haven't necessarily embraced technology to the way that you have. So rather than us continuing going into the technology that you're using, I'd love to kind of talk about ways that uh, you can, that people find or that you've found um, making it like those small steps into technology. I know you already said that, you know, just try it. Um, but what other things have you noticed or that you, you know, as you've been working with more and more um, businesses, 
that actually, you know, are good places for them to start. I mean, we've mentioned email marketing as well. What else do you think would be uh, like a good recommendation as to if someone wants to start something new in the tech space and they get to listen to what you have to say? Well, I'd say, I mean, that is such a broad, like, you know, you could go, <laughs> depending on where you're at and what you're trying to do, there, there's obviously, there's software everywhere. I mean, I love software at this point. I'm a part of a group called SaaS Academy um, with some of the newest and best softwares coming out. Like you guys may have seen at this point, um, you know, when you're on a website or something, you'll see in the bottom left corner, these little symbols are little quotes pop up and it's somebody made a purchase at this time here yes. it's a software called proof so i was in this group with the founder the creator dave and back when it was an idea and he was trying to build it out and now it's like i, I, I it's very rare that i go onto a, a pretty a, like a bigger professional website and don't see that that software is being utilized now just some things to make your life easier obviously there's something um which I really call, I, I really enjoy. It's called, um, let me get it here. It's called Sane. I can't remember if it's, it, it sorts your emails out. It's, I think it's Sane later. Let me just see here. Sanebox. It's called Sanebox. And you get like a 14 day free trial. And like, I remember I did the free trial at the beginning. I had like 30,000 something like in my inbox. I'm one of those guys that like I read it, I open it, but I don't, I never delete anything. Mm-hmm. I guess it's like an email hoarder, I guess. I don't know. Like, but anyways, same box within a matter of five to 10 minutes, completely sorted my entire email uh, inbox down to zero. And then they'll man, it'll manage it for you. And this is a complete automated like AI software. It's not like a person. Um, so that's a cool little thing that helps you like with email management. I'd also say, um, if you're in like my, you know, my kind of expertise is going to be more in the online marketing space at this point. So I definitely, um, am one, a big fan or proponent of automation. So you've got buffer.com, which is great for scheduling your social media posts across all platforms. If you're in the blogging co-schedule, great piece of software that takes care of your blogs also posts them across all platforms mini chat as i've already said <laughs> an amazing software to look into those are i mean like we can go like maybe if we have more of a specific area you want to go into i can get into some specifics with something you know i i like the fact that you've just kind of like put these kind of feelers out there and i'm excited for the audience to kind of comment Tell me what ones they want to talk more about, and we'll definitely do some deep dives on those in future episodes. But I love the idea of you just kind of like sprinkling a few seeds there. (laughs) Well, I've got two other like completely, these are completely opposite, completely um, out of the internet marketing space for sure. But I think it it, it helps anybody. For example, one's Nerd Wallet. So if you're ever looking, at what kind of credit card you should have or that you want. Because like I've, I always had an issue when I, you know, when I had my business, like I was anti credit cards. I didn't do credit cards, but I got to the point where I was spending so much a month in expenses. It was just silly not to have a credit card rack up points and rewards and things like that. But I didn't know where to go. So nerd wallet actually categorizes all of the different types of credit cards for you. And you can break it down based on like which one has the best offer, which one has the best cash back, which one has best travel rewards, et cetera. So Nerd Wallet, that's a software that you can use to pick out your best, uh, 
the best credit card option. Another one which has kind of been on my mind, and I think this will be relevant to everybody in the audience. Um, it, right now, everything's shifting over to Instagram. Like if you didn't know it, you heard it first here. But everything is now going over to Instagram. Facebook's actually losing a little bit of their kind of position in the marketplace. But, you know, luckily they own Instagram. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> but there's this thing called Ninja Outreach, which will allow you – so here's just a little kind of pro tip. Most people in the Instagram space have, you know, like successful people, if you will, influencers. And I'm not talking about like the high, high, high level influencers, but people that have like 30,000 to 50,000 followers. Uh, like those people have a decent audience or following on Instagram and they're never being approached on how to, how to utilize or capitalize on that. If you literally just sent like a, a direct message through Inst Instagram to one of these influencers and said, Hey, if I give you a hundred bucks, will you, you know, post this message up or here's, I'll send you a t one of my t-shirts, take a picture and wear this t-shirt. You can just leave the post up for 48 hours, etc. These guys have no way to capitalize yet on that Instagram following. So most of them are going to take advantage of any kind of offer or opportunity. So with that was leading up to this software called Ninja Outreach, which lets you kind of sort through the top influencers based on search categories. Like, you know, if you're in uh, sewing, for example, I don't know why I said that, but like if you're in sewing, it'll find the, you know, the top people with the top uh, followers in sewing categories. And then you can actually reach out to them and get them to essentially soft promote your stuff or put your hashtag uh, in their in their Instagram feed and that'll send people over to your Instagram and then you can push them from there into your Facebook group. So that's just kind of another little side pro tip there. But <laughs> Outreach is the software that lets you do that. That is cool. I love all of these little, you know, tips that everybody's going to be able to be like, okay, I get to go and go down a rabbit hole. Mark told me I could. So, you know, I want to wrap things up, respect your time, respect the audience's time. And so I'd like to ask if you have any final words of wisdom about when to cut your losses with a piece of technology. Ooh, that's a tough one. It's hard to want to cut losses. Um, I say cut, cut fast, cut quick. You know, like if it's, if it's, you give yourself enough time to actually master it in the sense of I, like the way I do it, if I'm going to take on a new software, for example, like I'm fully immersed in it for anywhere from two to four days. And then I spend another two weeks playing with it. And if for some reason I either can't figure it out at that point, let's say it's not intuitive, it's not got good UX, like user experience, or for whatever reason, it's not fitting into my kind of gel, into my groove of what I'm doing with my business. That's about when I'll cut it, which actually kind of works out because most softwares are going to give you like a, a minimum 14-day free trial. What I say be wary of, and this is probably more important than like when to cut it, is like a lot of times we kind of go on, like we get really excited about like, you know, or inspired and we go on and we try and do everything at once. So, you know, I'm going to grab mini chat. I'm going to grab Ninja Outreach. I'm going to grab virtual summit software, like boom, 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 boom. You're never going to be able to implement all of those right away, like at once. So pick one, focus on that one, implement it, get some success with it. And I'm not talking like years. I'm saying two to four weeks and then move on to the next piece. So you want to do like a stair stepper versus just jumping in the deep end. 
Totally, totally. Mark, that was a great, great way to wrap this conversation up. I will have links over in the show notes where people can connect with you and Virtual Summit Software and all of the fun, cool things that you have mentioned on this episode. And thank you again so much for hanging out with me on the Tech of Business podcast. Thanks for listening to the Tech of Business podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Overcast, or wherever you download your favorite shows. You can also check out the show notes and learn more about me at techofbusiness.com. I'll see you next week.